0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, guys. So sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I have some really important news for you. I know I have a lot of content creators and entrepreneurs who do follow me. And I just want you to know that you can start your own podcast, too. I do it through Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free, and you guys know I'm all about saving my coin. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And after you upload your podcast onto Anchor, it distributes it for you to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And listen to this. You can also monetize your podcast. That's right. With no or minimum listenership, you can make money off of your podcast. So everything that you need is in this one app. So make sure as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, you download the free Anchor app and get started. Hey y'all so today's episode is called Blue Crimes and Black Minds with Dr. Shonda and Brittany Lewis. I love Brittany so what you'll hear is we jump straight into the conversation. This was actually Instagram Live that was really popular amongst my listeners. Um, you guys really enjoyed it so I figured that it would be best for it to be the first podcast episode on Dope Black Doctor. So just the background of Brittany. So Brittany is a political analyst. She has appeared on various platforms including Fox 5 DC, uh, Roland Martin, and various other um, platforms. She does an amazing job breaking down politics, especially as it pertains to the Black community. She also uh, was Miss Black America 2017. So she has so much knowledge, so much um, in-depth knowledge regarding Black history, especially uh, the Black female history. So I want you guys to listen up, take notes if you need to, and enjoy the podcast. Transition into dealing with something else. Um, I strongly believe this is impacting our mental health on various levels and I just want you to talk a little bit more about you know some of these political systems that we see in place that are you know have that oppressive history of Africans in America like how have they contributed to that? Yeah sure um I
1: think I think what's really what we're struggling with just in general as a community is um knowing that we're oppressed Um, We know that we're oppressed. We know there's a long history behind that oppression, but the the general American public doesn't understand that. And also the the exhaustion behind feeling as if we need to um, convince people of our humanity or to teach them, which we live the oppression. It's not our responsibility to teach other people about the oppression that they inflict upon us. It's also not other people's place to tell us how we should protest that oppression that has been inflicted. Upon us. But we know that there's like a very, very long history um, behind how we got to where we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what so many people are missing within and outside of our community, thinking about the historical realities, right? What has happened? Um, So, first and foremost, let me say that any conversation that we have you know, to me is going to be surface level because I always want to direct people to the book. So I will absolutely um, give a book list when we are done this for people to really read and and expand their mind. But just quickly, I want us to think about specifically, we talk about the, you know, the policing and we know policing is directly connected to the prison industrial complex and how we got here. Um, So I was having a conversation recently with someone where I was trying to draw the connection between um, enslavement. Mm-hmm. to convict leasing to the modern day prison industrial complex. And we know the reason why, one of the many reasons why we see black black and brown folks being incarcerated at a disproportional rate um, is due to that connection. So, um, so, so black people were brought to America to yeah. provide free labor. That free labor became the base of the U.S. economy. Black bodies were worth more to the United States in 1776 than all the money in the banks combined. So many of the same Fortune 500 companies that we use today got Mm -hmm. started with slavery. In the 19th century, U.S. banks and southern states would sell securities that helped fund the expansion of slave run plantations. Since it was a dangerous business, insurance policies were purchased. These policies protected against things like the boats used to transport enslaved Africans wow, okay. and the risk of losing individual slaves once they once they got to America. You know, people also would you know, before I'll be enslaved, I will jump off the side of the ship. And as far as the, those who were um, the enslavers, they wanted to get their property insured. So some of, the, some of the, l- the largest insurance firms in the United States, we're talking New York Life, AIG, Aetna, sold policies that insured slave owners would be compensated if the slaves they owned were injured or killed. Moreover, Moreover, the money Southern plantation owners earned was deposited in U.S. banks, Uh, you know, like J.P. Morgan, subsidiaries. um, They accepted enslaved people as collateral for loans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plantation owners defaulted on a loan payment. The banks took ownership of these enslaved humans. Also, keep in mind, this was not a business solely relegated to the South. So New England merchants made money selling commodities to the South and the Caribbean, and in turn, Northern merchants bought raw cotton and sugar. So New England's fabric mills played a key role in the U.S. Industrial Revolution. The supply of cotton came from from the slave-reliant South. So brands like Brooks Brothers uh, turned uh, Southern-based uh, enslaved cotton into high-end fashion. So it's those type of connections with how it's with us today. Um, yeah. but what's, more, what's most interesting here is that those who are laboring for free for centuries to contribute to the economy that we have today, as well as these major companies, never we never received any compensation for our labor. Oh. Um, actually important when we think about how to, how we translate quote unquote wealth. When I hear conversations in our community, oh, you know, we, we got to translate black wealth, translate black wealth. And and, and it's kind of this very surface level conversation. And I'm just like, so you, so you want to dismantle capitalism. That's what we're really talking about because these things can't be separated. So one of the main ways people translate wealth in this country is through private property, but black people have been private property longer than we've been able to own private property. And and, and that's how many people are missing. Um, so, you know, Again, just saying that to say, one of the main ways slavery is still relevant with us in the 21st century is the connection right, right. between our enslavement and private property, which is why I'm telling people you, and it's an uncomfortable conversation, right? We love to we love the Beyonce's, the Jay-Z's, oh, it's a billionaire list. But I'm like, yo, we really need to dig a lot deeper in terms of how the system was structured. And it's not enough to just have black faces in high places. It's it's about re it's about deconstructing this history. And again, we can take this this conversation about enslavement, which, you know, was supposed to have been gone by the 13th uh, with the 13th Amendment. But people forget there's a clause in the 13th Amendment. And that clause said, you know, basically slavery, you know, is no longer legal here unless you are considered a criminal. But of course, we know that came with the rise of the black codes, black codes for those who might not know where the laws are essentially like if you're loitering, you know, you can be considered a criminal. If you are uh, you don't have a job, you can't show us papers, you're considered a criminal. Once you're a criminal, we can then lease you out to the same plantation owners, the same textile mills, et cetera, for you to labor for us. For free. And we see convict leasing happening from 1865 all the way until the 1940s. And then, of course, we see the rise of what? The prison industrial complex, which, again, they essentially get paid to have a bed in the body, which have bodies in those beds in those prisons. And we saw prosecutors, judges, you know, eventually get caught and get in trouble, a lot of whom didn't, but some did, you know, Mm -hmm. for throwing the books at, throwing the book, you know, to these young black teenagers for offenses that they shouldn't have gotten the maximum sentence, but they knew they were going to make money. So Honeywell. AT&T, Victoria's Secrets, there are literally thousands, I'm talking like four, like, 4,000 different companies that are making money off of enslaved labor in the prison industrial complex. And I'm calling it enslaved labor still because they're being paid 40 cents an hour to do that labor. And what people don't understand, they should really be upset about this. The same folks were like, Oh, you know, people, other minorities are quote unquote, taking our jobs. And it's just like, no, these, the people who are running these corporations done gave your jobs to the enslaved folks that are working for 40 cents an hour to make these products. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a changing scene. And, um, I could go on about this forever, but if they haven't already, uh, Michelle Alexander's "A New Jim Crow, that's one of many books that talks about mm-hmm. them. I also have a bunch of recommendations for books that tie in the connection between um, enslavement, African slavery to uh, capitalism. And of course, those things are also tied to imperialism, which is another yeah. conversation that I want to push our followers to understand that we need to understand these things, not just from a domestic aspect, but from a global mm-hmm. aspect. And a lot of the same leaders um, that we look up to, even though the Black radical tradition says that we shouldn't focus on just one big charismatic leader, um, but a lot of the people that, you know, we, our, our community, you know our community looks up to um they were they were global in their strategies global understanding oppressions all over the place so let me stop <laughs> rapping
0: <laughs> ladies um, and gentlemen brittany lewis make sure y'all <laughs> follow her make sure you can catch her on ruler martin fox 5 dc all that stuff <laughs> i love <laughs> it Brittany. You no know, i do want to i i got tons of
1: questions for you because first of yeah all, I know, you know, I know, you know, Um, one of the things that I did want to ask you, and I keep seeing quite a bit in the news, you know, when we're talking about defunding the police, um, people are like, well, well, I want the police to come. I feel, you know, certain people are like, well, they still need to be around for certain things. And I think one of the easiest examples to point to in terms of why police are not trained to be social workers, to be uh, mental health advocates, et cetera, is we see the police among some of the many reasons why people end up being shot and killed. Um, right. We them being shot and killed due to mental health issues um, that police aren't able to readily identify. So I would love to hear your...
0: Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Your thought process around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that, that's such a great question, Brittany. Um, so, so before I answer that really quickly, can you give us a brief synopsis of what defunding the police means? Because I'm hearing a lot of conversation about it and it seems like... Some people don't have a clear understanding of what that actually entails and what that will look like. So if you can do us a favor and just kind of clarify what those parameters will look like. Yeah,
1: so, um, so a few things. So we know that the we know that the issues that arise in our communities are typically a result of a lack of funding for social welfare programs. Right. So, Funding the police means reducing police budgets and power on a local and state level and investing that money directly into poor communities of color. Um reforming the police historically has not worked we've done so many procedural changes we've tried body cameras we know body cameras they don't have to be turned on and even when we see footage we know a lot of the time that police officers end up um not actually being convicted for the crime so or mm-hmm. even without racial justice training or or racial awareness training we know those things don't necessarily lead to um our freedom either so we're right. talking about literally draining draining the money from the police departments and putting it into other services so like when you're if you get a domestic violence call instead of a police officer showing up you're getting someone who's trained in domestic violence if you know someone is having a mental break you're calling a mental health professional not a police officer you know with a gun if you know it's it's, it's those type of things so again yeah, right. what we're seeing is public institutions being um, being defunded while police budgets are are constantly increasing and it's like right. increasing by increasing <laughs> we're not actually by by Sending police out or having more police in areas of high crime—you are not actually fixing the issue. You are, you are exacerbating the issue by putting more people in the system that do not need to be in the system. If you reallocate that money to create, you know, more more economic opportunities, more jobs. If you put that money back into mental health services, social services, education reform, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have as many problems in the first place. So exactly. that, that means to defund the police, and exactly. there is a lot of conversations about how we're defining it. So I think, in my personal opinion, I feel like the actually been co-opted people are saying oh we're not talking about completely defunding the police but I really challenge people to read Angela Davis and mm. her abolitionist stance and to really talk about why we have to dismantle the police because the earliest iterations of the police are directly tied guitar- directly tied to the slave patrol people forget that the second part of the Thank you. is to protect and serve the interests of the ruling class yes protect and serve property, which is why, you know, when black bodies are dying left and right at the hand, extraditionally at the hands of police or at the hands of community watch, nothing mm-hmm. happens. But you start burning up property and well, now you see the national guard mobilized. but that's because again, it's, protect, it's a perfect ruling class. It's to make sure the people with money and their property are safe. Um, so again, we really need to reconsider the way in which we,
0: we understand the entire system. Right, exactly. And um, Brittany, I think that you, you, educated us so eloquently on what defunding the police means. Um, So when police officers do respond to like domestic violence or an individual who's emotionally dysregulated or unable to get their emotions under control, that can be very threatening. Number one, because police officers are pretty much operating beyond their boundaries of competence when they try to um, respond to some of these people's needs. If you're in a state of crisis, then you need to call mobile crisis. You need to call you know, someone who can respond to you from a mental health perspective. However, um, again, when you have police officers who are responding to these individuals with these um, exacerbated emotional concerns, they might not necessarily be trained in knowing how to verbally de-escalate somebody. That's why they might automatically pull out a gun if they see somebody as a threat. That's why I feel like like, it's very, very important for us to really understand what defunding the police means and how this can actually be a benefit to our community if we're allowing, you know, social services and mental health workers and mobile crises and all these different areas in which our um, communities actually need to be funded in order to respond to these individuals. Um, so, yeah. And honestly, you know, us talking about defunding the police, that brings up another question about implicit biases, right? Right. And so, Brittany, I know you already kind of um, touched on this a little bit, but, you know, I was watching, I believe it was a national security advisor on CNN, and he talked about how there is no racism or there is no systematic racism in police departments, period. Like he said, there is no, they asked this question about three or four times and he kept saying, no, it doesn't exist, right? So I want to ask you, and I, so after you respond, I'll respond, but I want to ask you, is there systematic racism? Does that exist in police departments?
1: We know there's systemic racism. We know that.
0: Black people know this. We have a
1: thing called DWB, (laughs) driving Wild Black. We know if we see a police officer to the right of us, we are actively not going to pass that officer. We are going to be praying on the Lord that that officer- Yeah, yeah. We have a very, (laughs) we know that we have a unique experience, and we Mm -hmm. don't- we don't need anybody outside of us to validate that. We we know that. Um, exactly. It's interesting that, that people are talking about um, implicit bias, but the reality is, we. we I mean, it's so deep, right? We have to talk about the, the, the centuries of, um, you know, advertisements, media, um, museums that centered Black bodies where we yeah. see Blackness as a threat. We have been dehumanized, which is why when you take a lot of these, I see a lot of white allies you know, use examples of, look, I'm a white woman, take this exact same scenario and put my body in that place. Would Mm -hmm. I still be alive today to tell my story? And the answer is almost always yes. Because again, black skin alone is seen as a threat, which is why we, that is like the number one defense that police officers use, which is, oh, even if this person is running from me and I'm shooting them, I have to stop the threat, right? Mm -hmm. So we have weaponized black skin, Literally, yes, um, which is why I ask these questions, and, and these are really difficult questions for our community. When we think about you know reform as ha- how do you how do you change how do you change someone's mind? How do you change the collective identity of, of, of a people in someone's mind?
0: Yeah, um, it's yeah, just yeah, and and, and that's the difficult part, Brittany, because I feel like we're going to continue to experience this because yeah. we have not, yeah, we we haven't reconciled that relationship, that legacy that we have with slavery. White people are continuing to deny deny that there's privilege. Um, People are still continuing to deny systematic racism exists. Until we get to a place where we can acknowledge it, lean into it, have a discussion about it and reconcile that history, we're gonna be in the same places over and over again. Um, And so I definitely wanna address why we're seeing so many individuals say, no implicit bias doesn't exist. Um, Number one, anyone with implicit bias isn't gonna say, I have implicit biases that's the whole definition it's implicit like you you're most of the time you're not even aware that race you're racist or you have these biases however again once you go back and just start to kind of really acknowledge the fact that okay maybe I do have some biases then we'll be able to get to a place where we can have a discussion about it and begin to dismantle it but you know I think that continuing to deny it continuing to say it doesn't exist is going to keep us in that same repetitive cycle over and over and over again I
1: what's really important is to make sure that our community um, the black community capital B has a political education so that in these type of moments we're not pushing for simple reforms we're right. not pushing for electoral politics as our solution. I I know the community doesn't like when I say things like this, but at the end of the day, that means being critical of President Barack Obama. It means talking about how Black Lives Matter had happened under that administration. It means talking mm-hmm. about Black police officers that inflict the same type of um, racialized violence as a result of the system. You know, it's talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Black folks in the National Guard. It's the system. It's not enough to just exactly. have pieces in high places. So I think in these moments, it's so important to share a type of political education. And of course, mm-hmm. we have our lived existential experiences, Black people, that shared that can't be, you know, taken from anybody. But I also think it's very important for us to be reading, for us to be engaging, you know, the works, the sure. of our elders, you know, inter, you know, gen- intergenerationally. This is something that's not new. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of. I I, I get upset when I see those signs like, oh, you know, we're not our grandparents generation. And it's just like, first off, (laughs) you are. You are embarrassing yourself when you make comments like that because that mm-hmm. tells me that you actually haven't read about or know enough about your ancestors to know the various liberation tactics, the various things that they've gone through to continue to fight for us that allow us to be here in the way that we are today. So mm-hmm. I think for now the best thing for us to do is to push beyond these boundaries of reform, not let our ideas and our liberation be co-opted um, by folks who really just want to do just that—go back to business as usual. And for I don't okay. know about anybody else. Yes, Trump is absolutely horrible, but I'm not trying to go back to, you know, a country under, you know, the previous presidency, we still had issues, we were still disproportionately affected across the board in terms of housing. and and So it's not enough just to have somebody in, you know, the national office. And don't get me wrong, I'm not telling people not to vote. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I think at the end of the day, this is our political system. But what I am saying is, it's not enough to just vote on the national level. We need to be mm-hmm. voting on the state and local level as well. But it's also important to think and imagine beyond that. Sometimes people don't realize that the current world we're in is not how the world has always been structured. And I mean mm-hmm. that in terms of how we understand the nation state, or like just the way in which you know the country was formulated. I mean, this starts getting to some really deep stuff. And I can provide hope for the listeners. Um, But again, just thinking beyond reform and thinking about completely changing things. You know, we've seen so many changes. This movement has been both national and Mm -hmm. global in its efforts. Right. And I think it's really important for us to continue to connect the dots and push and push and demand,
0: continue to demand for something. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that we are seeing that we're seeing that demand that you're speaking of, Brittany. I really love that. Do you have any other?
1: Oh, I know. I was saying for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: So make sure you guys are asking questions so you can ask questions in our comment section on Facebook and you can submit questions on Instagram. Um, Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So that we can answer them for you. So Brittany's a political expert and I have um, some experience in mental health. So just let us know. Um, yeah. Question for you. Um,
1: so, so, OK, so I feel like every Black person, we we know someone who has had encounters with the police. Yes. Um, way too many of them I know who have had guns to their head, um, literally family members. I got pulled over. I looked like the suspect, quote unquote, is what I was told. They put right. a gun to my head. They put me on the ground. They realized I wasn't the right person. They walked away as if nothing happened. What are the like long-term
0: effects of those type of experiences? Mm. So, Brittany, like there is so much research pertaining to exactly what you're talking about. So researchers have actually suggested that there are significant emotional and psychological concerns when a population of people has a history of trauma. So, for instance, slavery. Right. And they and continue to experience, to experience such as being pulled over by the police, such as, you know, all the things that we experience, such as Jim Crow and redlining and all these different things. Right. When we continue to have those experiences, it can exacerbate what we call. Um, race-based relational, race-based traumatic stress, I'm sorry. So it's either racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress. And so um, I think that we're seeing a lot of this, especially given the recent um, events that have been happening in the nation. And race-based traumatic stress is real. Um, I'm seeing a lot of therapists talk about it. I'm really happy that we're having these discussions. but I don't think that... you know, we've really taken the time to really assess how our current behavior, our emotions that we demonstrate, being hypervigilant when we see police officers and other people in authority, how that is not necessarily a direct um experience or a direct correlation of our personal experience, but it also is passed down from our ancestors. Like, this is transgenerational trauma, and until we get to the point where we can identify that, then... Healing won't be possible until we can actually reconcile that. So I think I always say we have to be intentional about our healing. Um, that means making sure that we're going to therapy, making sure that we're addressing some of these concerns related to our emotions and our behaviors. But so we have to be intentional. Like going are the days to where we look at these as just like, oh, that's just what black people do. That's just what our community does. It's just something we have to be. No, not at all. Like one thing I was saying a few weeks ago, another I think that we look at trauma in America from like a hierarchical perspective, and what I mean by that is we don't, you know, look at sexual abuse as trauma, trauma, but when it comes to race-based trauma, yeah. we don't present, yeah. we don't treat it with the same yeah. um as you, an individual who is sexually abused or an individual who is held yeah. at home, right. So, it's, so, race-based trauma is as traumatic as these other events. That's why it's so important for us to take our emotions seri- so very seriously. Yo, that is such a good point. Like, even I feel
1: like I'm guilty of this, right? Like, I can talk about all these different traumas that I've been through through my childhood, et cetera, and easily be able to identify, like, yes, I need to talk to somebody about this. Um, But what I think about, and I think so many in our community, we think about, like, oh, that colleague called me this, or, oh, that microaggression happened, or, oh, this macroaggression, or, oh, I got pulled over by the police officer. They didn't have a warrant. I told them they couldn't, but they tried to search me anyway, and I didn't want to escalate the issue. And, you know, we we just like, oh, well, that's just being Black, driving while Black period Period. Mm -hmm. in black and corporate America. I mean, it just is what it is, but without thinking about like, what are the effects of that and the coping? Like you said, the coping that we go through to be able to survive. I think about that, not even with policing, but when I think about when I go to the doctor's office, right? Like Mm -hmm. I purposely, and this this is horrible, right? This should not have to happen, but thinking about, okay, I know that these doctors have biases right and my, my fear as a black woman is you know if i'm not dressed a certain way if i'm not speaking a certain way i purposely wear university paraphernalia as if that means that potentially they'll treat me better but what does that say right first all, we we obviously know respectability politics aren't going to save us no matter how much education we have no much money we make at the end of the day we're still black and none of those things matter but yeah the way in which we have to try and find ways to navigate this world and survive, it's exhausting. Like Mm -hmm. our day-to-day traumas, it's exhausting.
0: Yes, very exhausting, very exhausting. And that's why it's so important for us to really focus in on some of those thoughts that we have about it, focusing on some of the emotions that we have about it so that we can begin that healing journey. So really, I think you said enough over. there. Um, and you even alluded to the fact that sometimes we think that that has to be our norm. Who said it has to be our norm, right? So I, I think that it's so important as um, us as individuals in the Black community for us to really pay attention to some of those things that we have normalized, just because we, we it became our norm, because we normalized to it, doesn't mean that it's functional, Hello. right? So it, doesn't mean that it's functional. it doesn't mean that it's okay. That's really important for us to, to continue to dismantle systematic racism and oppression, and stop allowing us to ourselves to confine to these different behaviors and emotions. Like it's so, and I, I cannot say this enough. It's so important for us to be intentional about our healing, especially in the Black community. We've experienced trauma. I said it before, I'll say it again. I, we didn't have a DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual um, of Mental Health Disorders, back during slavery. But I promise you, if we had one, our ancestors, some of our ancestors, would have been diagnosed with PTSD. And somebody said it on Instagram trauma is epigenetic. There's epigenetic research with like the trauma and transgenerationally. That's why it's so important for us to begin to address this. Hello. Period. Hello. <laughs> girl like we could talk about this all day um but somebody asked us a question okay should we be targeting racism or the so current have. yeah i mean i could take a stab at this um i don't think those things are separate mm-hmm. those
1: things are interconnected and i think and i don't know if that person joined a little bit later but just talking about like the reason why um we were brought here is mm-hmm. directly connected to capitalism right these things can't be separated so um which which is why i say i think the most important thing is for us to further a, a type of political education which is why i want to end this um with some type of book list maybe that we can provide that talks about yeah. those connections um they it it can't be separated um yeah it can't be separated
0: yes yeah. I, love I, love I love it for don't for it. forget don't for it. to finish that I book we it yes I, I will <laughs> Because listen, we need this education.
1: I got you. I got you for yes. sure.
0: Okay. OK, so we have so much momentum right now. How do we organize long term to push for reform in all areas? So that's a good question. Sheesh. Um,
1: yeah, that, that's that's a multifaceted one. So how do we say it again? How do we?
0: How do we organize long term to push for re- reform in all areas?
1: Well, I think there's multiple things that we can do. I think, obviously, I always go back to this political education. We need to educate ourselves fully uh, and, and have a specific type of education where we where we as a community are able to draw the connections between capitalism, race, white supremacy, patriarchy, you know, all the powers that be. Um, I think that's, that's super important. Um, but I also think it's really important for us to, um, you know, push for a more radical... Change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we're seeing that right now, specifically around the conversations of defund the police. Um, I think that I think that it's also important for us to. That's such a loaded question. I think obviously yeah. you know continue to participate. I, granted, I do not think electoral politics is the answer, but of course to participate, both local, state, the national, participate in all the elections until we have reached that further. Um, I hate the language of progress, man, because it's like we need to demand it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, continuing to continuing to protest, continuing to um, imagine imagine a
0: different world. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you I'm, I'm in that. total agreement with that. Yeah. Say it again. Sorry, I thought you were talking. But yeah, I'm in total agreement with that. Um, and I love the fact that we have so much momentum right now, and I think it's so important for us to stay in this level. Um, okay, so I can answer the next question, and then the following one is this one from Bardic Harris from Facebook. How intentional is that question? Um, but before that, so Krista Harris asks, how would you address this in therapy with your clients? I think that's a really great question. Um, and again, so it's, it's kind of loaded, um, but hopefully the response that I provide will be helpful. So it all depends on where your client is in terms of their racial identity. So if you have an individual who's at, has not as progressed in their racial identity, meaning they don't know who they are in terms of their blackness and what that means about them, then you'll address that a little differently. Like, I would process their emotions a little bit more, ask them, like, how these situations have impacted them on an emotional level, on a cognitive level, what are some thoughts that you have about yourself, Um, how does this influence you as a person, what does this mean about you as a black person, Um, and then if the individual is, um, on the other side, if the individual is a little bit further in progress in their racial identity, um, you might go about things a little bit different. So when you're further progressing your racial identity, you have a, a healthier sense of self, a healthier sense of who you are in terms of your blackness, in terms of um, how the uh, girls sees changing, in terms of your self-esteem health and things of that nature. So when you do have an individual who has a strong sense of self and a strong sense of racial identity, then you might wanna focus in again on the emotions and helping them to just unpack on a level that's um, both rational and mm-hmm. also addressing their emotions. But it all depends. Um, again like based on your racial identity you, so you can go about it in various ways and I have some books as well I hope that question that answer wasn't too complicated but I have some books as well that I can um, refer everybody loves McDonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um, but the bag did feel a little light Okay, so Somebody said Include therapist License to assess On all levels To help mitigate Decision making I'm thinking you mean When we talk um, So Brittany Did you read this question On Facebook Girl, you know I can't
1: The technology
0: Oh my (laughs) god (laughs) What's the question how intentional should we be? Sorry, how intentional should we be with not spending our black dollars at white establishments? So how oh, intentional should we be? Yeah,
1: I, I mean I think this has always been one of the many strategies within the black community is to is to keep our money flowing within our community. We know that we have uh we have very, very um our consumer power is uh astronomical, right? Like we know that. So I think. It's extremely important for us to be um, purchasing, buying black. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And circulating that money within our community.
0: It's so important, Brittany. Um, is um, there anywhere that um, our followers um, are to support you support you in terms support you? of like mm-hmm. businesses or right? anything?
1: Oh, um, well, I don't actually have any businesses, but people can absolutely follow me. So my Instagram is Brittany Lee Lewis. My Twitter is Britt Lee Lewis um, and my Facebook is also Brittany Lewis. So anything that I have going on, any conversations that I'm having with folks, um, I know I post a lot of really great articles. It covers a lot of the topics that we've been talking about. And then of course, um, I'll make sure to you know we can collectively put together a book list um, that addresses a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Because I'm I'm very big on reading. Um, You know I think that (laughs) reading is the best tool that we have.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. 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 So important. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, yeah, so good that. Good. So jealous. Sure follow her on Instagram and her on Facebook. Um, you guys um, know so her, um, you know all, all the TV. Yeah, so make sure you guys follow her. Um, if you guys are looking to support black, yeah, girl. If you guys are looking to support black, um, follow Minds of the Culture. Not the camera. All right, follow minds of the culture. Um, make sure that you are following double portion. We have some apparel there. Um, yeah, so let's keep our dollars within our community. I'm all for it. Love you. So, yes, Brittany is always a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, love you, sis. Love <laughs> you. Too. All right, girl. All right, see you. Thanks for tuning in, guys.